Thank you for joining me this week on the show. This episode is going to get a little bit deep into some scientific information, some biology that is important to understand. So I ask your patience as I talk with Dr. Barry Tan, a scientist, a researcher, an educator, an advocate of some very simple vitamins and supplements that we can be adding to absolutely transform our lives, to hold off issues like metabolic disease, to slow the impact of aging. And I know you're going to be inspired by his energy, uplifted by his positivity. And I hope that you will take some of this information to heart to transform not only your life and longevity, but that of those that you love. Thank you so much for joining me. Glad to have you here. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. What if you could maximize your meditation practice with a tool that maximizes your time and attention with images and affirmations carefully selected to boost your positivity, to help you integrate your intentions into your subconscious? I have a special gift available for you. Visit happifiedlife.com and click on the Start Off Happy button to take a look at the phenomenal technology created by Positive Prime that uses neuroplasticity to literally wire your brain for more happiness, higher productivity, better relationships, and greater success. Head over to the happifiedlife.com page to start off happy with Positive Prime. Enjoy it free for 30 days Welcome back. I am so happy to have you with us this week on the show for my conversation with Dr. Barry Tan. He is hailed as a trailblazer and the world's foremost expert on vitamin E. Born and raised in Malaysia, Dr. Tan earned his PhD in chemistry, biochemistry from University of Otago in New Zealand and spent several years as a professor in the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, first teaching students in chemistry, then in food science and nutrition. His research expertise includes lipid-soluble nutrients, such as carotenoids, E-vitamins, CoQ10, and omega-3s that impact chronic conditions. He was the first to introduce tocotrienol benefits to the nutrition industry and developed the first ever tocopherol-free tocotrienol product derived from annatto. Dr. Tan is the author of The Truth About Vitamin E, the founder of the International Tocotrienol Conference, and an internationally celebrated and sought-after speaker for his role in the nutrition industry. He continues to collaborate with numerous universities worldwide to further tocotrienol research, and he is currently the president of American River Nutrition, a natural health research and development company he started with his wife, Elizabeth, in 1998. Described as a scientific pioneer, his mission is simple, improve the everyday health of people's lives. Thank you, Dr. Tan, for indulging me in that long introduction. I'm sure it 
only starts to scratch the surface of your career of research and education and bringing this knowledge out to make it accessible to people. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Susie. Thank you for inviting me. This is as good a place to start as it is for the beginning of the year. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. While health is foremost in most people's minds, whether it's an intention or a resolution. And as I was sharing with you before we started recording, tocotrienol as a form of vitamin E is something that I was introduced to a few years ago. And when I started hearing about the unique benefits of that, I was shocked that I had never heard of it. And I suppose that even in that limited introduction, I definitely have you to thank. And I love how your story of, of growing up on the other side of the world from where we are now in the US and your research has taken you around the world to really explore the natural benefits and bounty that we can call on from nature. How did you first start to have this natural curiosity or this desire to learn more about the benefits of our natural world? I haven't been asked this question a while now. And I think it came ironically from the kind of research I was doing. <clears throat> when I left New Zealand at University of Otago in chemistry, I was doing my postdoc in Alabama, in Auburn University. It's known more as a strong football university, but there I was. I was working with a biochemistry professor and he was studying deleterious material, meaning that mm -hmm. material that the EPA would regulate. So anytime when we have any good news to bear, they're bad news. It's, oh, don't eat that thing, don't do that because they're high mercury, high lead, pesticide, this and another thing. So deleterious material. I did that and that took me into pharmacology and toxicology. I remember when I left and started my career at University of Massachusetts, I wanted initially to do that. And then I started to think, wow, it is not a bad idea that if you have something to tell people to avoid, then this is good to let people know. But every time when I have a news to bear, they're bad news. He said, I wanted something positive. And what would that be? And that would be nutrition. What would be something we would take that would be good for our body? Now, having said that, I don't want uh, to poo-poo people who bear the news that are, stay away from this, stay away from this, because there's a place to do that. So when I came to the U UMass, University of Massachusetts, that was when my turn of event helped. And I moved there for, from chemistry, like you said, to food science and nutrition. And during that time, I was first enamored with vegetable oil. Mm. Vitamin E are found in vegetable oil mostly in the western oil like soy oil and canola oil we have vitamin e as in tocopherol but i'm here to talk about tocotrienol so now while we're at it vitamin e is two classes of compound a class of tocopherols there are four of them and a class of tocotrienol there are four of them the four tocopherols we know like alpha tocopherol beta delta gamma the four greek letter and alpha is the best known it was first discovered in 19 100 years ago by two pediatricians in uc berkeley and most people know alpha tocopherol as an antioxidant that it is 
but most people do not know. It became a vitamin E, not as an antioxidant. It became a vitamin E because it is a birth vitamin. The lack of this compound is not able to bring the fetus to full term. That's it. Oh. Most people, so if you type what is a birth vitamin, it will show vitamin E as a birth vitamin to bring the fetus to full term. Because when the fetus is going like mad, it needs a lot of oxygenation. And if it, something goes wrong, then you get pro-oxidation. You don't want that. So therefore, you need anti-oxidation. So when they put this vitamin E, it protects the fetus. The fetus is able to go to full term. So that's that piece. The tocotrienol came about 50 years after tocopherol. So it's almost like if this, if this were to be a birth of eight babies like that, so this four tocotrienol would be a run. It almost be born too late to be recognized. <laughs> and I started my career in the 1980s. I was studying this from palm and rice. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that besides alpha tocopherol, they contain other molecules that are not tocopherol. So this was during my UMass days. And as I searched deeper, they are the tocotrienol. I'll show you a molecule of tocotrienol. They look like this. It would look exactly like tocopherol. See, if I, because I only have two hands to hold it, if I, if I purposely drop this here, that's a hydrogen and oxygen, and that's a, a benzene ring, and that's an antioxidant. And tocopherol and tocotrienol has this. But if I go to the other screen and take it all out, you see the tail here? The carbon are the black color, and the hydrogen are the white color. So this thing here is lipid soluble. It stays right in the membrane. If I tilt it, you can see there's a double bond here, a double bond here, and a double bond on the last one here. And these three double bond present means that they're tocotrienol. Absent, they'll be tocopherol. So they look very similar. Why do I show you this? And in what way is this thing useful in a human body? If you think of a normal person, if we are normal weight, we will probably contain about 30 pounds or 40 pounds of fat. Some of us carry more, and it will probably be 50 and sometimes even 70 pounds. It's a little bit much. Let's say we have 30 to 50 pounds of fat. Most of the fat is not where you think it is, under your arm, in, your, in our backside, or where our love handle is. It's not there. Yes, those are fat, but they're mostly not there. Most of the fat are in the cell. If you mm -hmm. think of the cell, they look like this. A cell have all the stuff inside, like nucleus, they make you look like your parent, me look like my parent, the DNA there. And then the mitochondria, they make energy that you and I know where CoQ10 live. And the other, those things are called organelles inside the cell. A cell can only exist if we have a cell wall. And the cell wall is 80% fat. And we, each one of us have 80 trillion cells. It's a big number. That's about 5,000 times the population of the earth. And each of these cells have a cell wall. And the cell wall simplistically would be, it is a gated community to protect the organelles where the nutrients come in 
and the waste that it generates would go out. So a compromised gated community is the beginning of the sign of aging as I know it. So therefore, and the cell wall is mostly fat. And the fat is the easiest to get oxidized. The USDA says that we have three major food groups, fat, protein, and carbohydrate. Actually, the one that is often overlooked is nucleic acid to make our DNA. But we don't, if we eat meat, you eat nucleic acid anyway. So we stay with these three. Of fat, protein, and carbohydrate, they all can be oxidized, but none is easier to oxidize than fat. If you don't believe me, on a hot summer day, you drive past a roadkill, that smell. If you put a stick of butter outside and go back and smell the stick of butter on a hot summer day, that smell. So it's very easy to oxidize fat and same in the human body. We really need oxygen to live. But one in every 10,000 oxygen, it goes wacko. That one in 10,000 oxygen go wacko is oxygen too active and they'll go after a fat to satisfy itself so it won't be active. That is an oxidation process we don't want. Therefore, you need antioxidant to capture that oxygen that go wacko so you won't go back. I don't know if the audience usually get to hear this. This is the reason why we want antioxidant. I'm trying to cut the noise out as your resume suggests. Everybody mm -hmm. and their grandmother say that their stuff is an antioxidant. It's just too much we hear that. But I've given you a simplified version. The antioxidant that you and I should care about is the antioxidant that prevents fat from oxidation. That's it. Because it's the lowest lying food to go bad, as I gave you earlier two examples. So, and since most 80% of the fat on the lining of the cell wall is fat. So now, in the 1980, there was an Austrian professor, Professor Esther Bauer. You can Google this guy and then look at his, he's long since passed away. E-S-T-E-R-B-A-U-E-R, -E -E German name like that. He decided in the 1980s, he knew that antioxidant on the cell wall was important. You know what he did? He extracted all the antioxidant from the cell wall and he studied them. More than 90% of those antioxidants that protect the cell wall, they look, they are vitamin E molecule. Less than 10% of them are Q10 that the body makes, and the remaining few percent would be beta carotene or lycopene. Notice that the other famous antioxidant you and I have heard of, like resveratrol, like green tea extract, like polyphenol from all kinds of different sources, they don't land there. They protect elsewhere. But since I care about fat oxidation, so in a summarily sense, I just gave the, your audience an understanding. Tocotrienol is the best way to protect the cell wall, to maintain the gated community so that our cell function properly of what nutrients go in and how waste would go out and would not be compromised and cannot function properly. So. 
Beautiful. And, and, <laughs> and thank you for that because we do, we hear antioxidants tossed around a lot, especially as a marketing ploy or an excuse to keep drinking my glass of red wine every evening. <laughs> 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 but you're so, you're so exactly down to the point that when it comes down to the health of every single cell that we are made of, you know, we have to start there. We can't bypass that cellular health to look for the other anti-aging secrets that are being touted on the market. And, and as you were describing, and thank you for the visual, if you're listening in the YouTube, you're able to see the molecular models and some other visual cues that, that Dr. Tan has available, which will be really helpful. So you might want to switch now. Those bonds, the difference between tocopherol and tocotrienols, the three double bonds, how is tocopherol not as beneficial or even detrimental when compared to the benefits of tocotrienol? Okay, I'll answer that question two ways. Okay. Because a tocotrienol have three double bond, <clears throat> and when you have three double bond, the chain length of the double bond is shortened because two bond make it tighter, it's shortened. So therefore, the overall tail of a tocotrienol is shorter and a tocopherol tail is longer. And then in another perspective, because a carbon have a carbon is a tetrahedron, it's got four length. If you don't have a double bond, the, the, the degree of freedom for the bond to spin will be much more for tocopherol. It is more restricted for a tocotrienol. So it, it is more restricted in the degree of freedom of turning and then it's shorter. So if you translate it, this other tail of tocopherol tocotrienol anchors into the phospholipid of the cell wall. So a tocopherol anchors much deeper. So therefore it moves around the whole cell slower. Think of the cell like a bean move around slower and the tocotrienol because it anchored less deep spins around much faster and also a tocopherol is like a rotor rooter because it, it had many degree of freedom so therefore it able to to stay put in that same place whereas the tocotrienol is not able to go deeper and it, because it doesn't rotor rooter so much so it's able to spin around much faster so I think of that as vitamin E, that frog is like a local policeman. And the tocotrienol is like a state trooper. It's able to both catch the bad guys, except that a tocopherol is like a state, like a local policeman, only within a city limit or town limit. The other one goes to the whole state. So that would explain why a tocotrienol is much more efficient because it literally spins around 50 times faster to catch the one radical out of 10,000 that gone bad. The other question you have that I answer is, when you extract them from plant, sometimes tocopherol and tocotrienol come as a mixture. Now, most of us are holistic. So I understand. And we probably have a construct out there that say, when you make a medicine, which is one compound, we call it allopathic, which means one compound do one thing to address one thing. And it probably will have also 
other side effect. But if nature makes three or four or ten different ones, it's meant to be like that so that it's synergistic. I don't disagree with that. But you know, if the audience accepts the premise of synergism, Mm-hmm. then you cannot summarily reject the premise of antagonism. You have to think that you have to show that it's not antagonistic. For the most part, when things come as a mixture, they, are, they may not necessarily be synergistic. They may be just additive. They're still good, but they are usually not antagonistic. A few examples, they are antagonistic. And in the, I have known of two, there are probably more. A lot, in older days, people know, in the carotene family, people know about beta carotene, converts to vitamin A, good for the eye, you eat carrot, stuff like that. And then now people take lutein, zeaxanthin, good for the eye, filter the blue light so you don't have macular degeneration. I'm sure you interview other people like that. Then, when pe- before people starting taking lutein and zeaxanthin, people were already talking about beta carotene 20, 30 years before lutein and zeaxanthin because of vitamin A deficiency. Then there was a University of Illinois Chicago professor did a study. She purposely put beta carotene and lutein together. And then she found out that when she did that, beta, now beta carotene and lutein are carotene, they're part of the family. Beta-carotene in the presence of lutein, beta-carotene interferes with the absorption of lutein. So if you want to take lutein for the eye to prevent macular degeneration, you might want to take it separate from your beta-carotene. We found that true with alpha-tocopherol and tocotrienol. They're part of the vitamin E family. Now, when we put in alpha-tocopherol, it literally interferes with the absorption of tocotrienol. Now comes to the three things that I discovered that have tocotrienol. Most plants have tocopherol. The three that have tocotrienol are palm, rice, and anato. And now I'm trying to explain why anato. Yes. In palm and rice, they typically contain 25 to 50% tocopherol. It just is. And you can change it because the plant makes it like that. Translated, you may have 50 to 75% tocotrienol, but still the 25 to 50% tocopherol is a problem. We did not consider it to be a problem. At first, we thought it was innocuous, but then when we did study, there were half the time work and half the time didn't work. Well, it's a t- statistical non-showstopper because it's half-half, you see? And then we didn't know. That was when we purposely do the discriminating study. We give a fixed tocotrienol, it definitely worked across the board. We add in 10%, it worked a little less. We add the tocopherol 25%, a little less, 50% less. And when we add to like 60%, it rendered the tocotrienol completely inactivated. Now, we add the same amount of tocotrienol. So by adding increased alpha-tocopherol, we actually can make the tocotrienol inactive completely. So what is that? If you hear, that means alpha-tocopherol is antagonistic to the function of tocotrienol. So then now, anato. 
So what's so good about annatto? Annatto was the only source that we discovered that is completely free of tocopherol. I have never seen in my life looking for tocotrienol in the universe, found a plant that is completely free of tocopherol and only contain tocotrienol. So that's it. <laughs> so I'm reducing it to tocotrienol. So hopefully I answer your question that tocotrienol works better than tocopherol because it spins around the cell faster to protect the cell. And furthermore, if these two were to be together, the alpha tocopherol is a detriment to the tocotrienol function. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that's so fascinating to me. I never, I didn't understand that. And so I hope that if, as people are listening or watching, you know, it might feel a little overwhelming. It's been a little while since we've sat in on a cell biology class, but this is the nature of our bodies. You know, this is so important to understand that we can have a more efficient antioxidant by choosing to go with tocotrienol. The tocopherol isn't without benefit, but not only does it not bring as much benefit, but it can work to the detriment of the tocotrienol if we're paying attention to our vitamin E supplements. That's correct. And getting the right, the right properties in those. And, and in your research too, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're finding, how you're seeing the benefits of tocotrienol, because there are so many issues that arise and, and, you know, it, it, I like to say, and it's a bit of an oversimplification that disease arises, all disease, all disease arises from stress without outer influence. Our body wants to be healthy. Aging mm -hmm. is, is a process that to a degree is external, right? With the oxidation of cells and, and everything else, but also these other conditions, metabolic syndrome that people struggle with and, and what kind of benefits might people find? you know, the benefits beyond what we tend to hear about vitamin E is kind of like healthier skin. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, and let me see if I can sift it down this way, because I have done research on tocotrienol and vitamin E in general over a span of 35 years, and sometimes putting in a nutshell help, and you can always open this piece and that piece. First, we found out that Vitamin E, tocopherol, tocotrienol, they're antioxidant, like you said. So it's good for the skin. And that should not surprise us because this vitamin E are found in a plant. And where they are most found in a plant are where the vegetable oil is. And why vegetable oil? Because vegetable oil is easiest to get oxidized and go rancid. So they protect the oil. And, 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 and I oftentimes like to say this so that we understand this. The plant never make things for human being. We just got it in our head. Somehow the plant makes things for us. The plant never makes things for us. If people are vegan, the vegan should be thankful to the plant. If we are meat eating, we should be thankful to the plant that they make good stuff for us. But remember, plant never make things for human beings. <laughs> they make things for themselves to protect their own survival as we would like to know things for our own survival. Once we got that, then you realize plant makes tocopherol and tocotrienol to protect their oil from going bad. If the oil goes bad, the seeds cannot procreate. And most of the oil are inside the seed. Think peanut, think soya bean. 
you will know what I mean. So the a thing coconut, see the oil is in the seed. It procreate, it helps them to do it. So if the oil is oxidized, how is that seed going to be good? <laughs> it's not going to procreate. So they have to have vitamin E to protect the fat from going bad. So, so when we extracted this and discovered this kind of compound, we did probably over a span of 20, 30 years, and some professors are still doing this kind of study, in animal study to find out what kind of conditions does vitamin E help or benefit. They first discovered that if they compare tocopherol and tocotrienol, then tocotrienol is head and shoulder above tocopherol. And then if they add the two together, they found that tocopherol would interfere. So, but if they do it separately, it's head and shoulder above. Then they found out on the tocotrienol, the two that are most potent is delta, like the delta airline, delta tocotrienol, gamma, gamma tocotrienol, the two. And you're not, you're going to laugh at me, I know. When I first discovered this from the Anato plant, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit. And this color here, the British called the Anato plant the lipstick plant. It was first discovered by the Spanish Sador people about 600 years ago when they went to South America. And then the British also said that they discovered this and called it the lipstick plant about 450 years ago. In the US, we for coloring cheese. So the next time you go to Trader Joe or Whole Food, you get a hunk of cheese. You see the word Anato is from the red color. When I was in South America looking for something else, I saw this plant. If you look carefully at this plant here, you see a lot of seeds. And if you look carefully, there are no flesh. Every fruit that you and I eat have a flesh. <laughs> Orange, pear, pineapple, mango, flesh. But this thing here, where you expect where the flesh is, is air. So it really have a whole bunch of seeds and the seeds are highly colored, and the seeds are floral, that's it. The color is carotene, and I'm a carotene expert, and most carotene are inside the cell. You cannot stain your hand so easily. Uh -huh. If it were to be so, you would stain your hand with beta carotene with carrot, or lycopene with tomato, not so or even within a lobster or crustacean. You cook it, the yucky green or, or brown or blue color will become red. That's astaxanthin. So they're bound to protein. In other words, they're contained and bound to something, except this anato plant. So that was when I guess, when I, when I thought of the plant, there must be a very powerful antioxidant that protects it because the color is not even bound to anything to be protected. I was guessing it would be a plant polyphenol. I'm actually telling you the story how I discovered this in South America 25 years ago. I was expecting it to be a polyphenol. First, it's not a polyphenol. So it's first surprise. Second surprise, it was a vitamin E. And I was already a vitamin E expert, but I wasn't expecting this. And third, it's a tocotrienol. And fourth, it did not contain tocopherol. And lastly, I mean, am I blessed or what? I wasn't even looking for it. And lastly, it contained only delta and gamma tocotrienol, which I just told you moments ago, the two most potent ones. So the plant, make these two vitamin E 
to protect the color from going bad. So the audience can say, what? You just said that the plant don't make this for human being, make it for the plant. Why does the plant make this? I'll tell you that. I know it's a rhetorical question. I'll tell you this. The plant conserve energy by not making the flesh and the sugary thing that people or animal like to eat. Instead, it make the seed beautiful. Actually, look, the seed look like a fruit. If, if I get closer like that, it's quite beautiful like that. By the way, you can go to any Hispanic store. You can buy a pound of this. It'll be only a few dollars. You can go to YouTube and figure out how to cook it with this. You know, you can, I'm not from South America, but I, I, when I go to South America, I eat this kind of food that make by this kind of seed. But in the West, we simply use the color for coloring cheeses, occasionally ice cream and sausages, otherwise none. So the plant makes the tocotrienol to protect the color from going bad so that they can deceive the bird of the air and deceive the Amazonian tree frog. I managed to get a picture of this. The frog is about the size of a dime, tiny. Oh, wow. The whole seed is only like the size of a grape seed. So this, I zoom in. I had to do this very carefully. You can see the frog is not happy with me around. <laughs> if I move any closer, it's going to hop off and then I'll lose my shot, my shot of a lifetime like that. So you can see it deceive them so that they'll swallow it whole and they don't have to spend energy to make the flesh. That 99.9% of all the other make flesh, but this plant doesn't. So it's just to protect the color. And I just happened to be in the right place and the right time to discover this. So that is the reason why the plant makes this. I probably lost track in trying to answer your question at all, but, but that was, that was when I knew that this is exceedingly powerful antioxidant. And because of that, we did many animal study. Oh yes, you asked for what benefit? So when we did animal study, we check all the chronic condition. And then when we check the all stack, so when we come to the place to do clinical trials, now we have about 25 clinical trials on this tocotrienol. We did it on chronic condition. Example of chronic conditions that we have done are pre-diabetes, diabetes, fatty liver disease, elderly people without any condition, people who are overweight and obese, and the last group, Sometimes people consider that chronic condition and sometimes people consider them genetic would be cancer study. So these are all the different ones. To give you a summary of them, in the clinical trials, we found that tocotrienol work anywhere as low as 100 to 125 milligram per person and all the way to fatty liver condition, which is a very serious condition in the US, a 600 milligram. Only in the cancer trial, we use 900 milligram. So for most of the clinical study, it's probably, if you want to choose an average point, it's probably about, about 300 milligram. As low as 100, as high as 600. So midpoint will be about 300 milligram on all the studies that we have. So if you want me to discuss some of them stronger than the other, I'll talk about that for sure. 
Well, absolutely. And I think that we're recognizing a little bit more so. And so perhaps a good place to start is with fatty liver disease, because so many people we're recognizing it's not simply a disease experienced by people who overconsume alcohol, but so closely related to our standard American diet. Yes. Um, thank, really you for, thank you for citing that. <clears throat> Fatty liver disease is the long name is called non-alcohol fatty liver disease. And if the audience will do Google, N-A-F-L-D is an awkward and long name to distinguish clearly is non-alcohol fatty liver disease discovered in Mayo Clinic in the 1980s, not long ago. Now, I, I may sound like I'm trying to be prophetic or philosophical or spiritual, I'm not. But who would have guessed 30, 40 years ago that that you have liver cirrhosis, not from alcohol? Nobody would have guessed it. That you can drink a lot of alcohol and your body becomes so fatty and you become cirrhotic. Nobody in their right mind would have guessed 30 years later by eating huge amount of carbohydrate and fat we can have a liver looking like that, that had been damaged by alcohol. That is just, just think about that. That's fantastic, you know, that this can also happen. And that is NAFLD. How many and what percent? In the U.S. is more than 25, more like 30%, or 90 million Americans have NAFLD. If it's not taken care of, it becomes stetosis and probably they'll be ready for a liver transplant. We will never have enough human donors for NAFLD. We barely have enough for people who have had alcohol abuse ready for that. And 90 million? There's simply not 90 million with alcohol cirrhosis. This is just off the chart. So we decided about six, seven years ago to go after this. And when I did this, allow me to be storytelling on it. First, we did a three-month study. Then we did a six-month study. And we wrap it up with a 12-month study. This is done over a period of seven years. So I'm here to tell the audience, am I getting rich fast? No, I'm not doing this. But am I interested to see if the TOCO trying to work with people? Absolutely. And if it did work, if it is working in people, would I tell people to take it? Yes. Then would I make a buck or two from it? Yes. But at least I'm honest to tell you, I've been doing this for the last, and I have already been working on TOCO in my entire adult life. So when, and why did I choose this? You see, metabolic syndrome is a cluster of disease. And I knew that that cluster had many manifestations. Pre-diabetes is one. Overweight and obesity is one. Diabetes is another one. Cardiovascular disease is another one. Fatty liver is yet another one. I decided to go after the liver. Why? Because the liver is the single largest organ. So then I did, okay, now I take the big bite to do this. So when I did this, it's a risk involved. So let me do a three-month study. So in a three-month study, let's not shoot for the moon. Just see, is the liver enzyme managed? Is the inflammation contained? 
The, in other words, it's stress to the liver, not physical stress, but biological stress to the liver. Is that contained? And is the liver the liver enzyme increase because the liver is under stress. So it spills the, the enzymes from the liver into the blood. So you can measure it. So we did those two. After three months study, the C-reactive protein and the liver enzyme drop about 30% and 20%. The CRP dropped 30%, the liver enzyme about 20%. I said, okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Then I said, I'm not ready to speak about this yet. So and we published this. So we said, let's do a six-month study. Most people would already have cash to the bank. I did not do this. I did never spoke about it. I just reported the study. So we did a six-month study. Now we, we control the study even better. Everything I said before, we continue that. But we did more. He said, I asked the question, what about steatosis? Steatosis is the fat in the liver. You can use ultrasound like you see a baby in, 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 in the womb of the mother like that. So we can use ultrasound to see the fat. We can then, so we can also do the other measurement. And then we found out that, hey, the steatosis is egress. And then also the fat in the blood drop. And then also the sugar moderately dropped. The sugar is moderately high, but not high enough to be diabetes. Then I said, hey, metabolically is coming back. So I like this. So it's published. So finally, I talked to my science director, Ann Trius. <clears throat> I said, and what do you think we should do? He said, let's do go for goal and do a one-year study. By the way, a one-year study takes three years. By the time you recruit people, this and that is not 12 months study you finish on the dot it's not never like mm -hmm. that they are not they are not rodent there are people you have to talk to consent this and another thing so that was a long long time we finished the study we published it so even the 12 months study is finished so in the 12 months study we ask more questions we ask a final question if we see any fibrosis meaning that when you have stored too much fat in the liver you have scarring tissue of the liver. When you have scarring tissue of the liver, it's considered irreversible. So that's a big ask to do. We asked that question and we saw that the ask, that ask is also reduced. I am really blessed. So let me tell you on all of this. Anne told me in the three-month study. She alerted me again in the six-month study and she told I I didn't ignore her but I was not comfortable to address that. And it happened again in the 12 month study. That was not even a finding that was, you know, when you do clinical study, you have certain objective. You have, you set out to look for this and you set out to look for this primary outcome, secondary outcome. And it's not even in the primary or the secondary. It was not an outcome, but we saw it. And you know what that was? It was weight loss. Mm -hmm. You know why I was skittish not to talk about that? Because the moment you say that phrase, they expect it to lose weight in 30 days or less. And my shortest study was three months, six months, and 12 months. But it did have consistent, statistically significant as three, six, and 12 months. So then, I, then a colleague said to Barry, then say it like the way you find it. Just said that you have sustained accountable weight loss at three, six, and 12 months. And people said that, is it a weight loss? Then you say the same thing again. You, you saw it sustainably. So right now, 
I finally find the comfort space to say that I think that tocotrienol is not in and of itself a weight loss. Instead, the body is so out of kilter, so physically stressed, is bringing the metabolism back in function. The inflammation is reduced. The cetosis, the fat in the liver, egress back to the place it should be. And then all the things are getting back together. Then the response of the body begin to lose weight and coming back in kilter. So it is a consequence of those other things. I'm very comfortable with that. And typically the loss about 10 to 15 pounds at three, six and 12 months. And the weight loss is sustained. Remember those three study is not, it's not a continuous study. The three months study finish and stop. The six months study finish and stop. And the 12 month finish study and stop. But in the 12 month study, Susie, we also look at numbers at six months. You follow what I'm doing? And, mm -hmm. and the six month study of the, of the 12 month study, when we look at six months, the data of the six months were same as the data of the six month study that was published. So I'm very confident that right now the study is verifiable and sustained. So ladies and gentlemen out there listening, if your physician and doctor say, you may have fatty liver condition. I cannot say on the bottle on this. I will be happy to send you this study and you can consider if you were to take it, make sure you have the numbers of your doctor, what they like to look into your liver before and after. If you know it, then you will know it, not me. But I can tell you the studies we did. It For me, it's a beautiful ending of six years of my career. And this is high risk because it's in my second half of my 60s. You know, I don't have a lot of years left to do this. And I decided that I'm all in on this. When I could be doing something else, I, I did that, Susie, because I really felt that the toco try, you know, have a strong implication in the liver health because we have found this already in animal study. We did many, many animal study before I was doing this on clinical study. So this is my, this is one of our sweet spot. It's a fantastic find. And I'm really grateful that this Amazonian plant I happened to stumble on decades ago is yielding fruit. All this to say, I'm just grateful that the plant make good things for humans. I, I, I'm just simply grateful. I'm not saying that, you know, anything out, you know, can you imagine that? They are doing this to protect the color. And now I'm able to distill this. And, and at the personal level, I like to say this, if this is, I hope that the audience enjoy this with me. I'm not born in the United States. I'm born in Malaysia, like you said. This is my country of adoption. And right now I have many opportunity to make this all over Asia somewhere, probably half the price this and that. I never responded to that. I said, this is my country of adoption. I'm going to do it here. So this Toko Trino is the only Toko Trino made in the United States. We made it right here in Hadley, Massachusetts. If you want to know where Hadley is, it's just about an hour north of Hartford, of Springfield, Massachusetts about two hours inland from Boston. So it's not on the Boston area, it's in the Berkshires. You know, James Taylor sing, sang that song about the Berkshire like that. So somewhere <laughs> and round, somewhere inland from Boston. So we are here 
not very far away from the university where I taught for about 10, 12 years like that. So I think for me, this is a, a real blessing. And to find out a compound that could potentially be of use to 90 million people. If you know of other people whom this could be a blessing, I don't have a loudspeaker. I, I'm only going it to people like you, and I need many people like yourself to broadcast like that. Otherwise, people don't know this. If you know of ways to let more people know that this could benefit, this would be tremendous because 90 million, I, I cannot imagine where this is going to go. <laughs> and that barely scratches the surface because as you were speaking to the the side benefit of mm. losing weight and we yeah. are finally recognizing and acknowledging that overweight is not a, a simply an issue of calories in versus calories out there's so many influences and stressors from our environment and lifestyles that are causing our bodies to hold weight in unhealthy ways and this is extraordinary that it can relieve the impact on the liver of our diet, but also help us come back into balance, addressing pre-diabetes and diabetes. We could go way down some rabbit holes here, but I'm sure people can learn more in your book and that's available on your website, correct? Yes. I was going to show you can download the book. I described this and I, in the back, I document all the published study and you can, this was also written as a labor of love and you can get this book downloaded. And you get barry10.com forward slash book like that. And I wrote this precisely for that. And some, if you need more updates of this, if you come to our website, my company's name is called American River Nutrition. So if, or if you simply type my name or you Google American River Nutrition, you probably get there. If you want to type the website is www.americanrivernutritioncontinuousword.com. And then from there, you will see two, three things. One, we, in my entire four careers, four decades of my life, I only come up with three things, not a mess of different things. Three things. One is toco trienol that we, we spend time discussing. Another one is a compound called Jaronal, Jaronal, acronized GG which is also found from the same plant I talked about. And the last one is CoQ10 Ubiquinol because GG make Q10. So those three, you can download all the white paper as you wish to read more and then search out more for yourself. I always want to encourage the audience to fact find, to figure out yourself so that you know it for yourself. <clears throat> And then in the bottom of the website, and the audience also asks, if your thing is so good, where can I buy them? And they usually expect us to sell it. We do not sell finished product. We, we, we do, we, when we make them, it's in a 55 gallon drums. So it's a 2200 kg or one ton tote, you know? So therefore our customers are companies. So they make the finished product and then they sell. If you want to know that it's coming from us, we trademark this material Delta Gold because of Delta Toko, that's a Delta Gold. So if they say this, then you know it's from us. They just put it into a soft gel or a capsule. 
And in the website, they say, buying Toco Trienal, we list all the different company. Some companies we like to share with people would be, if you're interested in health professional quality, then it would be designs for health. Design for health. You can go online, Amazon, they have. D Grace, there's a company and list, but we I list all the 10, 20 different companies down there you, you can get from. So as to dosage, People sell them in different dosages. The 125 to 150 milligram is a good place to start. And just remember to take it with a meal because it's lipid soluble. So if you're on an empty stomach, not much is absorbed. If you take it with food, it churn with the food, emulsified, and then it absorbs better. Oh, there's been so much information and I'm glad you revealed just a little bit about that phenomenal compound geraniol, geraniol, GG, that is, I do believe worth bringing you back to discuss again, because vitamins, you know, we understand we need to be eating balanced diets so we can bring them in so that our body has access to them. But GG is an endogenous compound that helps to make CoQ10, which many of us have heard of. And so here's one more extraordinary little secret weapon, right? A way to supplement. And and very briefly, I know I'm, I'm borrowing some time from you and I do appreciate it. it. This compound in our bodies, what are just a few of the ways in which when we have GG, we are better able to thrive or some things we suffer as we start to create less of it? Yeah, I would say that even if, yes, I discovered the same compound in the plant, <clears throat> which is amazing because this is the last common step that the plant and the animal make the same compound. That itself philosophically is worthy to think about. So this is the great, great, great grandparent of what's to come because the plant doesn't have a heart. The plant doesn't have hemoglobin. It's not red color. It's always green color. They photosynthesize. So it's vastly different organism than a, a, a mammalian thing like human being are. But it's found in the plant, in the human, GG is used for the synthesis of CoQ10. So everything you know about CoQ10 producing energy, giving us energy, that's that piece. It's good for the heart, that piece. GG is also required for the synthesis of vitamin K2. And some of the audience know that vitamin K2 is good for removing the calcium from the artery and, and send the calcium to the bone. So that piece, strong bone, not calcification of the artery, not kidney stone, not gallstone, that piece. So that is GG. The piece that is probably in my expectation, the strongest would be GG is required for the synthesis of skeletal muscle protein. So in other words, if you think of muscle, you need GG for the synthesis. However, GG is not an amino acid, not protein. It's just a molecule in the body to hold the protein together until the whole protein is made. Skeletal muscle protein. Now, most people know that as we grow older, we lose muscle mass, what we call sarcopenia. We don't want to lose muscle mass with age. And most of us know if we do resistive exercise, the muscle stay put or resist the loss of muscle mass. But there is a nutritional piece hitherto not spoken of. And you rightly said that GG is an endogenous nutrient. This very shy nutrient in the body is being lost 
over time, and that loss over time is the reason for the loss of skeletal muscle. Is that piece? That piece is never spoken of before, but the CoQ10 piece is spoken of, but not the whole answer. I am pretty sure you and I have heard that as we grow older, we don't make enough CoQ10, and therefore we have to supplement CoQ10. That's correct. But what people didn't know is CoQ10 requires GG for the synthesis. They never explain why when we grow old, we don't make enough CoQ10. It's because we don't have enough GG. The piece that you and I have heard of it, if we take statin drugs, then CoQ10 would drop. That we know. But what about as we age, we don't make enough. Ladies and gentlemen, when we age, we don't have enough CoQ10. It's because we don't have enough GG. So right now, I'm hoping that in the years that I have left intellectually viral to do this, I hope to spend my time doing clinical study, animal study on GG. And maybe in six, eight, nine, ten months from now, you can interview me again on just the GG piece, which is also the other compound from the same plant. So, but until then, the audience should Google, what is this anato plant? Oh, in San Diego. If you go to a botanical garden, ask the botanist, do they have an anato plant? Or sometimes they nickname it the lipstick plant, like that. And Avida, the famous mm -hmm. all-natural cosmetic company, they use atoko trieno and put it into their lipstick. And, and they use the, not the Spanish word, they use the Portuguese word because they got it from Brazil. They call it urucum, U-R-U-C-U-M, the Portuguese word for anato. And the Spanish word for anato is called achote, A-C-H-I-O-T-E. If you go to any Hispanic supermarket, first ask for anato. If they know right away, they'll show you. If not, if you just say the Spanish word achote, they will show you and they'll probably tell you how to make some Mexican fare or South American fare like that. It is worthy. I tried it on my fried rice and it does make everything red. So, if you... <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's almost like Italian red thing, except that it's not from capsicum and not from that. It doesn't have the Italian taste. It just gives you the red color. If you don't cook it for a long time, you can smell a little bit of the anato. Once you open the back of anato seed, that smell, it's got a floral note. So sorry, I carried away, but, but Gigi, hopefully we can come back and interview that in another time. So. Yes, I look forward to it. I'm so grateful for you sharing your experience, your life's work, the joy and the discoveries that you've been able to make and the research that you have navigated through years. I think in the last few years, we've gotten a closer look at the whole scientific process. Mm -hmm. And, and this is really, you know, you really exemplify that, you know, thinking, you know, what you're looking for, but being open to the wonder of discovery and then asking what if, and what can we do with this and, and doing your hard work. Thank you so much for, for this connection. I'm so grateful that we were brought together and I could bring you onto the show. And I do look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Tan, and Happy New Year. And you too. Thanks for joining us today. 
To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.